Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am excited to welcome my friend and guest, Eric Tivers from ADHD Rewired. So good to have you. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much. Good to be here. So Eric is here with his uh, ADHD expertise hat on today and happens to double as a complex parent of a kid as well. I'm not going to identify whether your kid is complex, but I know that his dad is. <laughs> <laughs> he comes by it honestly. Yes. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, so tell us a little bit, and you know, your bio is going to be in the in the show notes. We don't go through any of that at this moment because people have all that that they can read. Eric is the host of a of a really excellent podcast on ADHD. Does a lot of work supporting adults with ADHD. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do with adults, with families, um, and how you came to be doing this work. Sure. So uh, my back, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, so I kind of started on that traditional path. I was working in schools. Uh, I, when I was in, in grad school, I had uh, two internships. I, uh, I got fired from the first one. Cause I made, There's a shocker. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I, uh, <laughs> something I've learned about myself is that I might have strong opinions and don't bite my tongue super well and don't have much patience for playing politics in schools. And, uh, but it was a really valuable lesson. And uh, so anyways, I, my next, the second internship I had was a great, awesome school, supportive uh, uh, social worker, supportive principal. And some of the lessons I learned there is that, you know, it was sort of lessons about, okay, like systems changes are really hard. And if you're someone who's a little impatient and like see something that is not right and doesn't want to play the game, like schools might not be the best environment for someone <laughs> like myself. Um, so I went into uh, doing private work. I was working at a, I was a clinical program manager for a residential group home work. I did a lot of work with autism. Um, then I did work with uh, doing applied behavioral analysis so what got you to become a social worker in the first place? Mm, well, that's, that's a story. So my freshman year of, uh, of college, um, my first semester, I, um, I finished with a 2.2. Um, parents told me if I didn't get those grades up, I am coming home because um, I was you know, going to Bradley University, which is uh, in Illinois. It's a small private school with private state tuition. Um, and so like, I, you know, I didn't blame them. They're like, if you don't get those grades up, you are done there. Uh, so I'm like, all right, let me uh, actually start studying. And, uh, you know, the partying was fun. Um, so I started actually opening up more books than I than beers. Add. And uh, I was rewarded with a 1.8. Mm, so you actually put the effort in and it did not 
yield the results you were expecting. Yes. yes. And you know, at the time I was a communications and advertising major and like all of my, my classes in that, in my major, I was just doing awful. In. And so that summer, um, I, you know, they, the, yeah, as a lot of the parents are listening right now who are probably thinking my kid argues so much that could probably be an attorney. Well, my, my parents told me the same thing for many, many years in my life. Um, so I convinced them to give me one more shot at school. And um, thank goodness I did. Cause I happened to have this chance meeting with, with someone who uh, was telling me about their ADHD and what they were describing sounded really, really familiar. Especially for talking about reading and they're talking about how when they would read that their mind would just start wandering uh, based on something they read. And then they were thinking about all these different things. And I was like, it's not a normal experience. And so I went that beginning of that semester, I got diagnosed with, uh, with ADHD. And it was during that time, one of my friends um, who I was in, in my undergrad with, he said, well, why don't you try a social work course? Like, cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do like this communication yeah. is working out for me. And so uh, I took a social work course with him. It was an intro to social work course and I kind of loved it. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was all about like social work ethics. And I was like, oh, I'm in love with this. This is fantastic. This is so interesting. <laughs> right. So that's kind of how I became a social worker. It was uh, through a friend's recommendation. So, but what, what's really striking me about your story is that you didn't know you had ADHD, so you were diagnosed in college, and, yeah. and we see this a lot with with kids who go off to college. Up until college, their parents were compensating a lot for them, or scaffolding a lot for them, and then they get off to college on their own. And even when you tried to do well, that you weren't yeah. able to be successful, and so you were lucky enough to actually get a diagnosis. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it's and all through after I got the diagnosis, my, I got really good grades. I was I started taking Adderall and that was a huge help. I mean, that was you, know, you hear about these experiences that people have when they first try medication. And it's like that that opening scene to The Simpsons with the clouds clear. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, my God, I can just have one thought. And it's actually about the thing that I'm thinking about. Right. It's it was game changing. I really viewed that there was life pre that moment and after that moment. And yet knowing you and in in your work in the world, that was not enough for you to just all of a sudden manage everything about your ADHD just by taking meds. Yeah. So I was probably the, uh, the hardest working, least efficient student there was on that campus. The amount of hours that I was in that library, the number of not even all nighters. I once pulled an all weaker, which I don't ever recommend. Yeah. Like, that does to your brain. Like yeah. you, you don't need to take hallucinogenic drugs. Just no. Don't, if you want just the same don't condition. sleep. Yeah. Like oh, it was bad. Like it was real. Like so. Like I was not my 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 self care was not super good. Um. So there was there was that, and when I got into grad school, and I was kind of starting to repeat some of these same patterns, and it was like I'm, I'm sleeping two hours a night, like just to try to keep up, you know, and. Yeah. I mean, my, my cohort uh, in grad school, people who were they're doing their internship, they had a part time job and their parents. And I was like, I have no idea how they're doing this because I'm barely keeping up with what I'm doing now. No one told me that you weren't actually expected to read everything that you're assigned in grad school. <laughs> I was literally told that like I think the last month of grad school. Yeah, but, yeah, oh. that would be. Yeah, that would be important information. <laughs> well, but so that's that's one of those skills with ADHD is knowing what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to. Right. right? Yeah. That, that you have to learn that that's part of the prioritization process. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you got out of, of graduate school, did you know you were going to focus on ADHD? 
I knew I was going to focus on autism. That was sort of specialty. I, in between grad school or undergrad and grad school, I was working in uh, residential and they started this autism program. And I was working with kids with really significant challenging behaviors. Like they would have meltdowns that would literally last all day. Like sometimes just yeah. profound, you know, the, like these, these, uh, kids, the, the, not just aggression, but self-injurious behavior and the degree of self-injurious behavior and the things that sort of triggered them. And I was like, the other staff were trying to do what they could to get out of their program. And I was doing what I could to get into the program because I was fascinated. Right? And I was like, cause I had never seen behaviors like this before. Like I had this little girl I was working with, she was 10 years old, very echolalic on the autism spectrum. And she kind of would like get up, she kind of walked like a Muppet, like just very, like her, just had this very cute, but also like she had these rams for her head of how often she would literally just like smash her head on the ground, like when it fell down, like it was, it was heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. And I just kind of felt this, this like connection with, with this little girl and I was able to help her like make more requests using music and language. And um, I was the only one in the program that never got bit by her. Um, Cause I just felt this, this connection, like transition yeah. or hell for her. It was like guaranteed we have to like make time for the hour or two long meltdown after any kind of tra- like transition. And I was like, wow, I relate to like, I wasn't having meltdowns with transitions, but like, I also, like, I still circle with transitioning. Right. Yeah. So like, I, I understood it from a different kind of perspective. Yeah. I felt. Um, and so, you know, as I am continuing to, when I get interested in something, I don't just, uh, there's no casual interest for me. Like it's, I'm going all in, I'm getting every book I can get my hands on. I'm going to the, all like the conferences on autism. I'm like, I'm get, I'm going in deep, like hyper-focus. Uh-huh. And so I did for a couple of years, I hyper-focused on autism. Right. And then, um, you know, fast forward. So I, I went my, with my, uh, my internships in grad school, it was all autism focused. And then I, uh, after I started working with higher functioning uh, individuals, and I was working at an ABA clinic, and then I started to work with kids who were more what used to be called Aspergers. And so they had that kind of dual diagnosis or ADHD and, and, uh, and Aspergers. And I was like, oh, I really like these kids. They like, they are out clevering me. Mm-hmm. And like, and that was fun for me. I was like, ooh, these, these kids are clever. And yeah. so I was doing that for about 18 months, really liked it, learned a lot, got laid off. And I knew that that was when I was going to start my own practice because I was, I had recently got my, my clinical licensure and I got laid off for the same week that I uh, signed a mortgage on a house. Ooh. Um, so Did nothing you signed like, the mortgage first. Uh huh. Oh, good. So at least you got uh-huh. the mortgage. So at least you got the mortgage. So literally <laughs> like, signed the mortgage on the Monday, got laid off on a Friday. Like wow. that week. That's so, Which for me was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Cause I was like, I like, it was kind of back in the corner. And I was like, mm-hmm. I have to figure this out. Like, I didn't have I'd options. Come out swinging. Right. That's how I felt. So I started, you know, making, reaching out to all the sort of networks I had, the connections I had in my network. And I started my own practice. And um, if it was going to be on autism and ADHD. And that's what it was. And I had started, I was giving a lot of uh, local talks in my area. I, I filled my practice very quickly. And then a um, couple of years into my clinical practice, I, my son was born. And I used to jokingly say when someone would ask me, so what do you think you're going to have? And they were asking me, boy or girl. But I was like, well, there's a good chance they're going to be somewhere on the autism spectrum because I have ADHD and my now ex, you know, she she has her stuff going on. You know, put those things together and that usually come out with Probably autism. Probably neurospicy. Yeah. Neuro, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, um, you know, six months in and I was like, something's not right. <laughs> 
Like he's yeah. like I our pediatrician was like, no, you know, boys just develop different. And I was like, oh no. Like no, no, no. I no, no. Like he's really literally like he would look at a book for like half an hour, like intensely staring at like studying this book. Okay. Right. Like he was reading at the time he was one. Like yeah. Reading, reading. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you knew. Yeah, like his his splintered skills. He was reading by the time he was one, but he could not turn a page on his own to the time he was like two and a half because his fine motor skills were so like poor. That and that disparity is such a key indication of of complex kids. Like yeah. they're they're gifted in some areas and challenged in others. And That's and it. as a parent, you never know which it's going to be, and so you never know what to rely on. And so when so, we when we got the official uh, about two when he was two years old, we got the official uh, ADHD or autism diagnosis with him. And like I and I had been suspecting it all along, and even though I was suspecting it and kind of knew it, there was a big part of me that was like, I hope I'm wrong. Like maybe I'm just yeah. seeing it, you know. Like because some people say, oh, you know, you're, you're just you're just looking for. It. I'm like, well, maybe. But yeah. And then when the doctor came back after the, it was a two day evaluation, and they said, you know, there are some kids who, uh, you know, we we encourage you to come back in six months because we're kind of on the fence with with them. And I think dramatic pause, and then she delivered. But your kid's but not. your kid is not one of those kids. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know anything else she said after that. Right. Yeah, I often liken it to Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> right. They've got you looking at an up, upside down bell curve, and all you're hearing is wah 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 wah. Yeah. Yep. And I remember uh, working. There's a family I was working with, teenage kid, thirteen uh, year old kid. I was working with the family for about two years, and I had shared with them shortly after my son was diagnosed that my son was diagnosed, and I started crying. Yeah. And I was like, shoot, um, like not my client. Stop me doing this. Yeah. This right? is so I not at that point I'm like, I think I need to step back from from working with autism because like this is I have I have my own processing work to do. And that's not for my clients. Yeah. Right. So I started doing that. I launched the podcast and sort of very organically. I didn't even realize that I was starting a second business when I launched ADHD Rewired. Ooh. But it and was. You did. And I did. And yeah. I've now closed my clinical practice a couple of years ago. And it's, now I'm doing all nothing but online coaching. Yeah. Because there's something about ADHD management that's really be, become a key area for you. Yeah. Right. So talk a little bit about what you realized, what, what's the need that you realized needed to be filled. And, and I want to I want to specify, because part of what happened with ADHD re- rewired is you started working almost exclusively with adults. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's all I do. It's all it's all we do is work exclusively with adults. And, you know, part of it is was this feeling, this identifying this need of, you know, when I think about what's what's the hardest thing about having ADHD. Mm-hmm. It's not being understood. Like, that's Say it. it again. It's the hardest thing about having ADHD is not being understood. Yeah. It's not understanding yourself and not being understood by others. Well, and that understanding yourself piece is so critical because it seems counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It's me. How could I not understand me? And then so when I started doing so, I do exclusively groups. So it's all it's all group uh, group work. And when I, after I did my, my very first group, which by the way, was, I was recording a solo episode and I just sort of impulsively had this idea while I was recording that I was going to do these groups. So I just left it in the recording and I'm like, I'll have more information next week, which I just continued to repeat for about eight weeks as I was trying to figure out what did I just get myself into. Right. So I figured this out. We launched our first group. It was a success. And I was like, this is amazing. 
because the I I had done intensive one on one work uh, doing with coaching, and the growth that I saw with my my members was it wasn't even comparable. Because I think what happens in group is you see yourself in others, mm. and what happens it's reflected back. Except probably for the first time for a lot of people, what's reflected back is themselves, but without judgment. I was going to say, with a positive spin, with yeah. acceptance and tolerance yeah. and compassion. Compassion, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and once once you have that that acceptance and compassion piece, then you can actually lean in and start actually working on the stuff that you got to work on. Yeah. But it's a process, isn't it? I mean, it takes, you know, it's not something that you're just going to get up one day and I'm going to just handle this or this pill's just going to take care of it or, right, it, there's there's understanding, there's awareness, there's implementation, mm-hmm. there's, you know, that transformation has got a lot of steps that leave up to it. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the accountability piece, you know, I was, I was working with a, a therapist at the time and part of my idea around the group was I was frustrated with myself as a client in therapy who was literally doing their therapy homework, sitting in the parking lot 20 minutes before my next therapy session. And I Which is saying, not surprising for an adult with ADD. Right. And I guess like, next week's right? going to be different. Next week's going to be different. How many times do we like, okay, I need to do something different if next week's going to be different. Yeah. So what do you want parents? So you're now working with adults. You're focused on on very, very specific ADHD management. I mean, I would I would say, you know, you do productivity, you do accountability, you do very specific work around management. What do you want parents of other complex kids like yours and mine to understand about their kids and about their role? Yeah. One of the things that I think we do so, so much in group is we are healing from the trauma of growing up. Yeah. Those, you know, and not that anyone's doing anything intentionally traumatic. It's the trauma of not being understood. It's the trauma of screwing up, actually trying. Yes. And, you know, um, and uh, Russ Ramsey talks about this, that, that, that uh, the uh, biggest cognitive distortion uh, for yeah. with ADHD is just a lack of belief in self. Yeah. Right. And so there's so much that is done in adulthood as a result of that. So we, we, we address issues around like numbing and issues around like leaning into the things that are hard and, you know, rewriting that narrative. Cause that's such an important part of the growth process is we have to be able to rewrite the narrative. Yeah. You know, at Impact, we talk a lot about, you know, putting your oxygen mask on first and the change you want for your kids starts with you. And and whether you have your own neurodiversity or not, right, whether you have your own ADHD or autism or whatever it is, you know, anxiety, whatever it is you're dealing with or not, the role of parenting these complex kids is getting your own stuff out of the way so that you can be present to your kids. Because yeah. we all come to adult with stuff, mm-hmm. right? And it's, yeah, and it's and it's hard, and it's like my 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 biggest still like shame minefields have to do with being a dad, right? It's like I know how I want to show up, and any time that I don't, you know, where my actions aren't lining up with my intentions, like it's it's hard. Yeah, and there's some forgiveness, and then there's some you know correction, and then there's trying again, and and when you've grown up. As a, as a kid where you were wrong a lot, and those of us who 
reach adulthood as neurodiverse and who weren't identified often, we were wrong a lot. And so we begin to to take that script on, right? It's funny when you, when you said that, um, you know, so I, I made a, a commitment to, uh, to my, to myself as a parent, um, to never, ever ask my son, what is wrong with you? Oh, beautiful. Because I was asked that a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. And it's hurtful. It's so hurtful. Yeah. Like I think about that now and like, I can still feel the pain from that. I can still think of like specific car rides I was ahead of my parents where I was asked that question and it's just like, it's soul crushing. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Why can't you just? That's another yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's not constructive. And so for us as parents, and that's so much the work that we're about is, is it's, it's our awareness, our understanding, our language, our communication makes a huge difference on yeah. the self-concept of our kids. And that's really what I think you've been speaking to this whole time is, is how that your self-concept informed the work that you came to do and how you're showing up in the world, both as a professional and as a dad. Yeah. And, you know, I think a big part too of being a neurodivergent parent, parenting a neurodivergent kid is I'm, I'm living out loud. And what I mean by that is like actually yes. when, like when I'm doing the things that I'm doing at home with my son, like I'm verbalizing that to help him yeah. understand kind of what, what I'm doing. And when I mess up, I own it and I talk yeah. about it with him. And so I model that. And that self-advocacy piece, Elaine, a couple of weeks ago, my son was getting uh, cyberbullied. And um, so he was in this group chat and they were just being mean. Like it was just like, yeah. and so we, we talked about it and we, we made a plan. I told I was going to reach out to, I was going to send an email um, to, to the school, but he beat me to it. He sent an email. Awesome. To the principal, vice principal, his school um, counselor, uh, and his advisor, and like this, this made me cry. I like, at it, it was so well written, and he said something about like how autism just make makes him different. It's not bad, and that like, and he wants to do a presentation for his school. I'm just I love like, it. It's amazing. Yeah, that's a parent win. Yeah. That was, so. That was we need to wrap this conversation up. Um, let's take a break to say, let, tell people how they can find out more about you and what you do. Sure. Uh, best place to uh, find out about what I do is at my website, which is uh, ADHDrewired.com. You can find information about our, our podcast. And we actually have a number of other podcasts on our podcast network. Um, we have our intensive adult coaching groups. We also have a, a co-working community called Adult Study Hall. Uh, so all of that you can find out about at the website, at Adult Study, or at, what's the website? At ADHDrewired.com. It's in the show notes, everybody. <laughs> And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to to share? Either something you want to, some message we've talked about today you want to hit home or something we haven't said that you want to make sure you share with parents? You know, it's, there's a couple of things in there, but I think it comes down to, it's, it's cliche, but it's, it's, I think still worth saying. And that's that we can do hard things and we don't have to do them in the hardest way possible and that we don't have to do them alone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's we as as adults, as as a parent. Right. But it's also like a great message for our kids is that we can do hard things and you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, it's it's true. And it's uh, and we don't have to get it all right either. It's like if we are take the learner path and we'll keep getting better, we're, we're, we'll never get it all right. And that's OK. No, progress, not perfection. Right. 
That's right. So um, you have a favorite quote or motto you want to share? Mm, favorite quote or motto? Um, I do like the We Can Do Hard Things is a favorite quote or motto. You Maybe, can stick with that. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind that's of it. it for today. But yeah, yep. I think that's that's it because it's, um, it's about the learning path. And I think that that's, um, that's a good one to, to, to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Growth mindset all around. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for making this work and for being yeah. part of this community and for what you're doing in yours. It's making a difference. Thanks so much. Appreciate having you here. To those of you listening, two things, I guess, before we wrap today. What is, one is I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, what am I taking away from this episode? What's one insight that I want to take forward into my week this week? What are you, you going to do to take what you've thought about in this last 20 minutes or so and move it into action? What does that look like for you? And as always, I want to thank you for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, you make an enormous difference. Take care, everybody. See you the next time. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.